Hey, listener, we would love it if you could take a quick moment to give our podcast a review on iTunes, Spotify, or leave us a message on our Facebook or LinkedIn pages. Hello, and welcome to the Our Community Lessons podcast. My name is Adam Salga, and today is May 12, 2020. With me today is Leader of Curriculum Improvement and Development for our Community Listen, Sarah Weisbart, and Mike Desperis, Leader of Education Initiatives. Sarah and Mike, thank you both for joining the podcast. How are you doing today? Doing great, Adam. Always happy to be here and really excited to have Mike joining us today. I am excited to be here as well, Adam, and be invited onto the podcast and have a great conversation. We're going to talk a little bit today, and we've been doing so with each other as we've been getting to know, you know, what's going on in everybody's life, but we want to continue to talk about logic and emotion. We want to focus that conversation today around the home and why it's important when we're parenting our youth and the relationships that we have with our spouse or loved ones and how exactly logic and emotion comes into play with these relationships. Sarah, I know that you have a few uh, stories that you want to share about this topic, but I'll let you just kind of get started and and go from there. All right. Thank you, Adam. Um, Thank you for really just teeing us up and giving us some context. I know in our previous podcast, we talked about change and what's happening with change and how we're handling that and how our logic and emotion can start to be out of balance. And we've talked about the understanding of the logic and emotion bubbles in previous podcasts. This is really now this opportunity to have a conversation around, so now what does that really mean for me? How do I apply that to what's happening maybe for me, um, but especially in our home environments um, with youth and and with our committed relationships, those people that are really the closest to us. And Mike actually said something about that in our our pre-conversation about whether we like it or not, the people we're at home with are the people we're technically closest to right now. And especially when there's high stress or lots of change, that can be difficult to manage as that emotion bubble starts to inflate. You know, I think that's really a great way to kind of jump off into what we're going to talk about today, um, Sarah, with logic and emotion. Because if you think about it, wouldn't the world be so much easier if we were all at the same logic level and emotion levels at the same time? (laughs) And that's not really how things work. And I know when I'm at home with my two teenage girls and my wife, sometimes my emotion's high, sometimes their emotion's high, sometimes my logic is is right on track, and sometimes there is not, and we have to try to figure out ways where we work with each other and support each other. I think the funniest moments I have are when, like, my logic is, like, on fire. Like, I have so much logic, I have logic for everyone in the house. And everyone else is on the high emotion. And so no amount of my logic is being helpful right now. And I'm actually contributing to the problem of the high emotion in those moments. Yeah. So you're like trying to over logic people. And not- <laughs> <laughs> I've been there many times. Yeah. The flip side is I actually uh, just listened to a podcast recently around emotional reactivity. And I'm recognizing that I can be emotionally reactive to things. And I reached out to some friends of mine and asked for accountability around it. Um, Because we know that when emotion is high, venting is helpful. 
except I'm finding myself really just relying on that high emotion and letting that vent almost fuel more emotion. And that's not feeling really good to me. And so I ask for some accountability when I reach out to friends and say, I need to vent that it's a healthy vent um, and not just kind of adding to all of that emotional reactivity. So what you're saying is sometimes when you vent, you can like make your emotion even higher or more negative in a way, rather than it being a productive come down. I've been guilty of that many times myself. And it's like, I'm almost trying to give myself logic to my emotion. And you really can't until you kind of allow yourself that space and even the grace, right? To just bring yourself to that zone. That's, that's a good point. I love how you, you have like an accountability buddy too. <laughs> Say, hey. <laughs> well, and it's, we teach, right? Like we teach that venting is important and that's helpful. And so I feel like the people around me are trying to serve me, but I'm recognizing that, like you said, I'm almost like justifying my own reaction. Um, and so I'm trying to figure out some other ways to help me manage that emotion um, because again, I've, I see what it's doing to me, but then I'm also seeing how when my emotion is really high and I'm not being, um, I don't want to say responsible about it, uh, how it's impacting then my household. Um, when I walk out of this office and I'm losing my mind, that's not healthy either. Yeah, I, I agree with that. There's been some different techniques that I've learned um, over time. And it's really interesting because when you learn different techniques, of how you support someone when they're very emotional, right? Like I think about the kids that I used to work with um, as a teacher. One of the things that's real important to understand is it works really well for you as a human too, regardless of your age. It's not like a kid thing. So I just know the power of just breathing is a huge thing. And if I can remember to just take some really good breaths and just you know, sometimes that's something that helps my brain kind of re-trigger and bring some emotion down as well, too. But it also allows me to have that respectful or productive vent like you were talking about. But sometimes when you're high emotion, you know, you're so tensed up and it's like your face is probably bright red and you've got veins popping out of your like you're not really doing that physical response that we just need to survive, just breathe. You, know, you think about the kids at Walmart when they just want that toy and like everyone's like, oh man, I'm glad that's not my kid. And in reality, we're thinking, I'm glad it's not my kid who's acting that way right now. Because we want yes. right? Yeah. That's so interesting. You like you tie it back to the behavior. Um and I, I actually think about like the breathing as a behavior, right? And so that mindfulness of like, okay, if I'm feeling this way, now maybe the behavior I need to have is like to actually physically take a breath. Um, and I think about when my son was young, I mean, maybe like four or five years old, um, his dad and I, we would watch his emotion bubble start to expand. And we called it verging is actually the term we, we use. Like he's on the verge of goodness was what. <laughs> and we would sit there and strategize. Like, do we think we need to kind of like pop his bubble, kind of push him over the edge of his ability to contain his emotion right now? Or are there tools that we can use to maybe like help him um, settle down before he would pop his bubble? And I think about it, like, you're going to be able to help me understand this better because I'm thinking about the child's mind, 
right? Like I can't imagine that as a four or five-year-old, I could have said to my son, like, I see you um, really increasing in your emotion right now. Could we like take a moment? I don't think that would have been effective. We typically sent him over the edge and then let him express his emotion, um, maybe in a physical nature. Um, we actually encouraged him to yell and then yell the, like the feelings he was having so that then that bubble could decompress. And then we could talk about what led to those feelings. Uh, help me, like, tell me I was a good parent and <laughs> like, help me understand how that all looks. <laughs> well, based on Facebook, I'd say you're a good parent. He's like a well-adjusted kid in the stories that you tell. So it's funny because we always, um, we're probably our biggest critics to ourselves when it comes to parenting, right? Because we're, we're very good as David Vandermolen likes to say being chronically human, we make mistakes. And when we make mistakes and we hurt those people, that's hard. And so you want to make sure you're doing the right thing. The key to what you did was you allowed him the time to come down. And however he did that, that was appropriate is fine. Right? So, you know, maybe yelling and screaming in school wouldn't be appropriate, but if he's at home and it's a way to release, it's a very appropriate thing. The key is, is when he comes back to logic is what you just said. You talked about the situation because at that point in time, that's when learning can take place. And if you think about our onion slide, we're trying to build that choice to be even bigger. And we want that layer of the onion to be super big. So the next time he's starting to feel emotional, he has more choice to take those feelings, whether they're a positive or negative feeling and have a productive outcome versus a non-productive outcome. So I think, I think that's great what you did. You know, I like the term verging. <laughs> He's on the verge. Like, what do we do? It was like our code word. It was literally a code word. Yeah. Like, oh, here we are. And it always happens at like moments when you're not prepared. In, in your mind, you're trying to think, what trigger set off this behavior, right? Like, what was the function? And you're, all of these things are kind of going through your mind while you're also trying to think about the other person. And if you think about it, all you and your, his dad did was just listen and let him have his moment. And everyone needs to have that. So the venting part is important. What we want to have is a productive venting rather than a non-productive venting. You know, if he was venting and screaming and yelling and calling you names, that's one thing. It was just a way to bring himself back another way. You know, that reminds me of a story of when I was a kid, okay? So I was the youngest of four, and so I'm the little one, and like Christmas time. So Christmas time was so exciting around my house. And we were the family that we would open up presents on Christmas Eve from family members, and then like the big Santa Claus present was Christmas morning. And so we got the practical presents on Christmas Eve, right? Like you get a new turtleneck or, you know, maybe some boots. Maybe if you're lucky, like a matchbox car or something along those lines. So it's kind of like, yeah, this is cool, right? Like, you know, an eight-year-old boy. But the next day you knew you were going to get, or you were hoping you were going to get what you've been asking for, you know, the new RCA racetrack or the new Atari game. Or, you know, I'm, I'm dating myself now, Adam, so bear with me. I, I can tell. 
And so you have all that emotion building up. And remember what Christmas Eve night was like? You didn't sleep at all, right? And then all of a sudden, like, your mom's waking you up or something wakes you up and you're running downstairs and you run to where the Christmas tree is because you really want to see what it is that you got. And, like, that bubble, it's burgeoning, Sarah, right? It's <laughs> bigger and bigger. And you're excited and you're in a good mood and you just want to open it. And like nobody else is awake in the house because you're the youngest and I want to sleep in because they're teenagers. <laughs> and I just remember like almost going into pure panic mode because I could not open up my present. And I literally went around the house and got a pot, like the old school pot and, and spoon, turned on all the lights and just started banging it to wake everybody up. <laughs> and caused some problems for myself that Christmas morning. But it was like, I had to vent. I had to get people up. I had to have a way for release. Now, was it a productive behavior? No. Well, maybe productive that got everybody up, but it wasn't the right way to kind of do that. So it's that positive, you know, your body doesn't really judge positive or negative. That's your brain's job. And so sometimes it's really hard when your brain can't really comprehend what's going on, how that bubble is going to kind of burst. So anyhow, I did get my present later on, but after like all the emotions and anger come out from everybody else, wasn't quite as cool. <laughs> I really enjoy uh, listening to you guys tell these stories because the first thing I, I recognize is that you talked a bit about self-awareness right away in the beginning, you know, knowing that your logic and your emotion are, you know, both stressed. And I loved hearing that. And then hearing you tell stories, you know, about your son, Sarah, and telling your Christmas story, Mike, makes me, um, it makes me apply that to my girls a lot. And uh, I, I, I have some questions around that. And we can get to those if you're, if you'd yeah, like. Great. When it comes to the self-awareness and thinking about the kids in our home, what are you doing to model as good of behavior as possible when your stress and your logic are not in balance? And I know we talked a little bit about breathing and getting it back there, but how, are, how else are you modeling situations that maybe have nothing to do with them, but they, they're in the room maybe, and they see you reacting a certain way. Um, does that come into your mind when you're trying to, you know, lead by example? Oh, I, I can jump in. Um, I, the self-awareness is really key. And then um, for me now, my son's in his teens now. Um, what I have been finding myself doing lately, um, being under a lot of, of stress and change of late, is I'm actually processing out loud um, and saying things like, wow, I, I feel myself feeling really stressed right now. And I'm feeling tension in my chest because of that. I wonder what that's about. Oh, I had this stressful conversation at work. And, uh, you know, our, our routine is kind of bearing down on us right now. Yep. I wonder what I need to do. I literally like do my out, like, out loud proce processing. So then he can start to hear how I'm trying to use my logic to process through my emotion. Um, that's I love that so much. I don't mean to jump in and interrupt, but I just need to compliment how much I love that. Because I think with my four-year-old, she's smart enough to know and she can talk through problems. And so I think that would only help if I did that when I have a problem 
and she would start to see me modeling and so what a great example that's absolutely astounding mike's head is nodding up and down so he's going to have some amazing brilliant insight to add to this <laughs> now the pressure's off for the brilliant um yeah i agree 100 rosalind wiseman okay she's the one who wrote the original book about mean girls you've seen the movie there's all this and her idea behind it was really about bullying and how girls can kind of be, you know, tough on each other. She has a, she has a quote that she says, you're a model 100% of the time and 100% of the time you're a role model. Okay. So you think about kids, you're just like, yeah, I need to be this positive, amazing role model all the time. And so what I love about what both you, Sarah and Adam have described is when you talk about what you're doing, or what you're trying or what you're going through, kids are seeing that. And the behaviors they pick up are the ones that are role modeled more so than the ones that you're told. So that's a really, really positive piece for your son to see, oh, you know what? Like, I'm a little tight in my chest area and my neck is just tense. And I had, a, I had a tough phone call today. And I'm wondering if that's playing a role with it. Now, maybe I need to go for a walk, or maybe I need to, you don't say, you need to do mindfulness, because the kids are like, whatever. <laughs> and you, you're starting to model what those pieces are, and that is so important. It's also important to do the reverse for when you mess up. Like when your logic bottles, when you're merging, <laughs> I'm going to totally steal that now, right, is way up here, and you just don't do the right thing, we're human. It's a that you take the time to process that with your kids it's like oh man i didn't recognize that i was upset i didn't recognize that i wasn't logically thinking things through and oh my gosh, adam you were the recipient of that this is what i should have done because that's also a really healthy piece for kids to realize when they blow up and make mistakes oftentimes we feel shame rather than work through the problem with the person that we hurt as well too so at the end of the day, like we all have our wives and our spouses and our husbands and our kids, maybe like grandparents and others, we really just want to connect with them, right? That's all I want to do. And I know I, I am like sometimes the average of the house with picking up the emotional bat. And that's not really ever my intention. My intention is I just want to be a good human being and help them. And I want them to be the same. So I think the more you do that, the more connection occurs as well. Too. So I just love like the way you explain that for your son, because he could probably identify, you know, I've had a rough day on Zoom. I'm so tired of Zoom. I just want to go see my friends. Yeah. You know, I just want to go play basketball with my friends again or whatever it is that they can find other healthy and just great ways to kind of release that, to have that vent. I'm really touched by your explanation because I realized that my partner was able to role model for me um, some effective behavior a couple weeks ago. Um, so we've been talking about, you know, our kids in our household, but we, we have other people in our household. I have a husband, my partner, and um, I was virgin, quite frankly. Like I, I was virgin. I was on the edge of all of my emotion and I, um, logically, probably in my mind, <laughs> um, tied it to um, some issues in our marriage. 
and then lost it um, and had a come apart. That's what I call it. I had a come apart, um, was very emotional, and didn't use maybe the words that I would have wanted to have chosen to use um, in order for it to be an effective conversation. And I can recognize now that there's probably a lot of stressors that added to that. But what happened in the moment was I really said some hurtful things to my spouse. And he modeled like being able to pause and recognize that my, my partner, the person I love is not okay right now. And I'm just going to let her not be okay. And did not respond other than just physically sat with me. And then the next day came back around and said, we probably need to have some conversation. And I was able to be calm enough then to say, yeah, you're probably right. And walk through that conversation. I will tell you four or five years ago, that is not how that scenario would have gone. I would have lost it and had my come apart and that would have triggered the same for him. And then you can only imagine how productive that would have been. Um, and so I'm so thankful that I have a partner that can be like seeing what's happening for me and be like, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be here. I'm just gonna not react um, and then follow up and say, okay, we need to talk about this and give me that, like almost that permission to admit like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. That didn't go well last night. Um, this is what's going on for me. Now let me share it from a perspective that you can understand. So Sarah, I want to ask like, um, kind of a thought provoking question with that. Mm -hmm. you, you, well, first I want to, I want to mention the pause. You, you talked about the pause, the time he gave you, bring the logic back, right? Out of the emotion world, which ended up being the next day. Mm -hmm. I know how much time that could be, right? It, it, for kids, for adults, it's all a little different. But then for you to be able to have the conversation with him, kind of go through that. Here's my question. How much closer did it make your relationship with him? How much better does it make the relationship? Oh yeah. I mean, I'm going to say 10 times cause that's a, a normal number, but like a hundred times, a thousand times it is actually, I mean, I say this all the time when we facilitate our class, this class saved our marriage and, and being able to use the skills this way is why this class saved our marriage and still continues to build the bonds to create the, the atmosphere, the environment in our household, where then we can also model it for our son. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> I think that's the best thing. And you know, like we talk about transformational learning a lot. That's really transformational learning. It's not me telling you what you should do. It's understanding what it looks like. But most importantly, when you're doing that, like when your husband was doing that for you, you felt it right? It felt good. And then when you guys were able to kind of come and have the conversation and go through the process, the relationship gets stronger. It gets kind of deeper in a way, but then trust and everything else just follows. The number one thing that's most important to my wife and I is the trust of our girls because they're teenagers. <laughs> like that can go haywire in a hurry. But for our daughters to come to us and say, hey, there's this going on there's that going on we want to have that conversation with that trust um and 
for them to be able to role model that, even if it's stuff you don't necessarily want to hear or you're prepared to hear as an adult, is really kind of cool for them to say, hey, here's where I messed up. This is what I should have done. This is what I was thinking. Because really that's what we want, right? Like I just want them to be able to go out in the world and to be able to do some conflict resolution or realize that they're gonna have good days and they're gonna have bad days, but so are other people and it doesn't make them bad, right? So, I mean, that's that's kind of a big, big part of this. I just love how your husband really gave you that space for the next day. You guys were able to come together and kind of go through that process. A really cool story. Yeah, thanks. That was, I mean, as I say, like years, right? Like you have to be intentional about it. Like, this is always my message of hope. It's work. Like it's work. <laughs> and you have to choose it um, so that you can reap those, those rewards and that closeness and that benefit and those relationship with your kids. And so you have that trust and, um, but it is, it's, it's a choice. And I, and I think it first starts with me. Adam, we've been talking a ton and you keep on nodding and you open your mouth every once in a while, like you think you talk, but like getting a word in edgewise with me and Mike can be a little difficult. So jump in. Uh, I want to to acknowledge and say thanks for sharing that story because um, what you shared there is vulnerable. It's in the idea that, you know, you were the one that potentially uh, as you, you, you had your come apart as you called it. And so it's vulnerable for you to, to be able to share that story. And I, and I, I love that you're willing to do that because it shows that even though we know these skills and we know what's going on, we're human, right? We're going to have blowups. We're going to have potential mistakes. We're going to have some regret. Um, the could have, should have, and can'ts, you know, they they still exist in our world, even though we know these things. So I wanted to acknowledge and say, thanks for sharing that because I think it can go a long way. And your husband might have picked up some of his ability to breathe and pause because of what you've been modeling around him. Or maybe he's just starting to become more self-aware and learning that for himself, instead of triggering back, he needs to take a breath, pause and say, all right, we'll come back and we'll talk about this tomorrow. You know, so um Again, thanks for sharing the story. I think it goes a long way to to get people to connect with what they have been through and what they're going through. So. Thank you, Adam. I appreciate that acknowledgement. Um, it's really um, intriguing because both of you understand my mind. Um, in that moment, I was literally being like, Sarah, you know better <laughs> what's happening right now. And I didn't have the capacity. I just didn't have the capacity. Uh, and so it's, and I am, I'm, I'm just, I'm grateful and thank you for the perspectives. And it is a learning process. I think that's kind of what we're talking about right now. It's like, it's just this ongoing learning process of like, okay, not like now, how am I going to handle this next time when I start to feel this feeling, this verging starting to build up. Um, and I think that's what we're trying to model and teach to our kids um, is, is basically how to walk out being human. Mike, I really liked your question too, by the way, of what was the benefit in the end and did it make you feel closer even though you went through the blow up or the the come apart in the end what you know what was the benefit of it was it worth it and and it was it it is it's almost always going to be when you get to take the time um, and reflect back and say yes we are we are now closer our trust is deeper our love is deeper 
And so I think that when you asked that question, I really wondered what you were going to say. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's that is pretty thought provoking. It is pretty good and um, and very smart to to kind of say in the end, it is worth it. It takes time. And that's what you're reiterating, Sarah, is coming back around to uh, keep keep working at it. It's a choice to get better. So. You know, you think it's kind of like we don't want it to be about compliance. Right. So compliance is important. Don't get me wrong. I need to follow how the rules to how I drive my car. Right. I, I get it. But we don't really want to ask our relationships so much compliance type things. So if your husband would have at the moment said, Sarah, you're not thinking logically, you're out of your mind, you need to breathe, it would have just made the situation a whole lot worse. In other words, if you would have led with compliance rather than empathy and listening, of health situation any of us but when he actually allowed time for you to come back it wasn't no longer about compliance it was about human emotion and need and that's much deeper and when you can understand where the other person's coming from oftentimes we don't really find that we have these conflicts with other people we're having an emotional conflict with ourselves right and when we can kind of understand that a little bit, it's just like, oh, and then you can get the support to kind of help each other through that. So I, I think that right now, like all this time of change is really bringing that to light more so than ever, because we're around our family members more than we've ever been, good and bad. Sometimes it's bad to be around people that much. <laughs> you know, like you do, you Space and trying to find out, you know, like how big your house actually is. <laughs> so I've kind of quite enjoyed being in the backyard a lot more than I've ever been during um, times of change. But yeah, it's just, you know, it's really kind of interesting too when you think about different things we can role model for people when we see them purging or like their bubbles getting big. You know, the, the last thing you probably ever want to say, okay, here's like some good marital advice for you, Adam. When you see your wife get upset over something, don't tell her to breathe. <laughs> Just bad. Like, you see a little kid getting upset, don't tell him to breathe. I probably like, say like, that too much. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're forcing them into trying to make a choice when they can't think logically, right? When they're too high with emotion. And when you can't make a simple decision, Think of how much more upsetting that is. Um, but you can model breathing. You know, like if, if Sarah's getting upset, I could just, when I'm sitting with her, just start breathing. Right. It's a, it's a really good, really you know, good. And not like over-exaggerating, but if we can just get someone to catch a breath, we're starting to help them bring down that logic a little bit into a more proper that as well too so even just you know i know we're on um uh we're not on video but just relaxing your shoulders relaxing your body posture kind of leaning slowly down and in are all really important things that you'll be amazed they'll just kind of follow suit and they don't really know they're following um, and that's a part of that model as well
thank you both for being a part of today's podcast. Um, it's always great listening to people who have great stories and wonderful examples of how to model for our children. And again, I'm just feeling like I'm growing as a parent every time I get the opportunity to talk to a couple outstanding individuals. Can you uh, give me a couple key takeaways for our listeners today? Mike, why don't you go first? I think one of the biggest key takeaways for me is to always try to model how to kind of properly release and vent and try not to tell people how to do that. So in other words, show them breathing rather than telling them how to breathe. And I would actually just piggyback right on top of that. Um, when you asked for key takeaways, it was actually really, really affirming to me to hear Mike acknowledge for me that I've been modeling and that that modeling um, improves those relationships as it did with my my husband. Um, and then, then we can model that um, for our son. So uh, I totally support those key takeaways too, Mike. And it again, very affirming for me, like, oh, like, okay, I do know what I'm doing. I can do this. <laughs> I am a good parent. <laughs> Sarah, I know you wanted to bring up a webinar that Mike is doing soon. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, it's really interesting that our conversation has really like tied a bow around this concept of modeling. Because Mike, you have a developed a webinar for our participants around I keep on saying how to be a good role model when you suck. I know that's not the title of it, <laughs> but that's what keeps on coming out of my mouth when I talk about it. <laughs> I kind of think maybe that we need to change the title because I like that. So what to do? <laughs> yeah. The title is very close. It's how to be an awesome role model even when you mess up. And the idea is, is we're humans. You know, um, and David Vanderbilt talks about being chronically human, and that means we're amazing, and we do great, wonderful things. We're very creative, and we're prone to error. So what happens when we're prone to error? What happens when our, um, our emotion starts verging, and that bubble starts getting big, and really, I mess up, and I mess up big, and I take maybe the emotional bath to somebody. Um, what do we do to fix those steps? Marsha Burns and I, the Director of Content Quality and Curriculum, um, just started floating around with these ideas and decided to build a training piece to help people understand that, you know what, number one, we're human, we're going to mess up. It's okay when we do, but what's really okay, what we need to do is go back and figure out a way to fix it. And so we've kind of built a training designed around that, and I'm really excited about it. It'll be coming up on May 19th. Um, and of course, we'll have this training in a lot of different avenues in the future. Um, but we'll have it on May 19th at 1030 Central Time. I am super excited for it, Mike. And I've had the opportunity to take a sneak peek at it. And I think one of the things I'm really looking forward to is um, that understanding like we've been talking about today but then some really concrete tools and skills and steps to then go in and say, okay, now that I'm aware that this has happened, how do I go back in and, and manage a situation where maybe I, I didn't do as well as I would have wanted to. So thank you both for your expertise and your knowledge in bringing that. Cause I think that's the biggest question for everyone. Like I know I've screwed up. Like I know when I suck, like I'm fully aware of that. <laughs> 
And it's knowing then I have then some tools and some skills to go back in and say, okay, I want to do this differently and here's how I want to do it. So really looking forward to it. Um, and Sarah, that, that was the, like when you told the story of your husband, I was so excited about that because he, he pretty much did what we talk about. But what was really cool is it's really about relationship. And when you do this process and you go through this with people, you'll find your relationship just gets so much stronger rather than leaving it at the conflict level and it becomes separated. You know, we, that's not what we want. We want human connection. Human connection is sometimes messy and it's ugly. We don't want to be hurt people hurting people. We want to be able to fix that when we do hurt people. Absolutely. So looking forward to it. Um, and I'm sure our listeners are looking forward to it as well. Um, so our listeners can go out and check out our Facebook page and check out our website. Um, you can email us at communications at ourcommunitylistens.org and get on our newsletter list. If you're not already on our newsletter list, um, we have all kinds of offerings coming out and um, more as we're growing and developing. So connect with us in every way you know possible. And we are happy to share with you what's coming on our agenda for you. Well, thank you, Mike. Thank you, Adam. You're welcome conversation yeah thank you both it was it was a lot of fun and it's always enlightening and it always feels good to know that you're not the only person who dresses up in the world (laughs) always great thank you for being vulnerable and sharing today your story sarah because you feel good (laughs) (laughs) well i'm I'm not a good parent like i might have sucked as a spouse but i was a good parent If you have any suggestions about subjects for our podcast, feel free to reach out through our Facebook page. And if you're interested in taking a class, visit ourcommunitylistens.org. Thank you again for listening to our podcast. And don't forget, each word, each action, each silent moment of listening sends a message. Therefore, you are the message.